now that we've shut down the Patreon and we're no longer putting out new episodes over there, we wanted to put some of the old episodes out here on the free feed. But due to how old some of them are, we wanted to provide a little bit of context before each episode. So this episode was recorded on July 1st, 2021, and we talk a little bit about my first biological son that I just had shortly before we recorded this episode. And we also deep dive into keyword research specifically for high-ticket dropshipping businesses. Now, if you're a beginner, this might be over your head, uh, which is not a bad thing. You're going to need to learn this stuff. And if you're an advanced user, this might be groundbreaking for you. There are too many people not doing keyword research well enough. And I hope this episode serves as a place for you to expand your knowledge. Now, if you want to go deep on this stuff, this is the type of stuff that I am currently working on to put in Dropship Breakthrough. Uh, we have a lot to add here in 2023, and I'm excited to put it in there. So please enjoy this episode from July 1st, titled Babies and Keyword Research. Welcome back, Dropship Podcast. I am back for this week, week 15 of the show. Happy to be back. How are you, Jonathan? I am good. Thank you, Benjamin. Uh, I, uh, good to be here. And before we go any further, of course, Ben has had his first biological child. Congratulations, sir. How does it feel? Uh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest on this channel because, you know, there's only a few of us listening here. So I... All the advice you, you get so much advice. Number one, most people just tell you all the terrible stuff, right? They never say, oh, it's going to be so amazing to look in your baby's eyes. No, they tell you they're going to shoot everywhere. When you take their diaper off, they're going to pee on you. Uh, they're going to keep you up all night long. You're going to get zero sleep. Nobody ever tells you the good stuff. So I went into it, you know, number one, having like, uh, this is, you know, not going to be great in some of these ways. But I also was like, I know there's good stuff. Cause you know, you never talk to a parent who, even though they're, 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 they're stressed, and they're at their wits end. They never tell you they wouldn't do it. They're like, it's the most amazing thing ever, right? And so, like, I'm kind of preparing myself for this, like, immediate shift. Like, the moment he comes out of my wife, I'm going to just be super in love with this thing that came out. That is not the case for me. It, it did not happen. The whole first day, I was like, great, another kid that's, you know, going to be slightly annoying while I have to, you know, get my work done. The whole first day, I didn't really do anything. I, I cared a lot about my wife, and, you know, it was a major surgery for her, and, like, um... But I, I, I didn't have that. And I started to like question, oh, shit, am I not going to, you know, is this like an entrepreneur thing? You just don't get that like moment where you fall in love with this kid. And I was really getting worried. Uh, and then I woke up the next morning and I looked at him and I went, it's just, I just fell in love. And uh, like, he looks exactly like me, which I think, you know, I think evolution had a, a piece in that they, you know, evolution wanted the baby to look like their father. So the father would stay in their life. Uh, but he also like legitimately looks just like me. So then I, like I started having like quasi love this kid but also this is super weird it's kind of like looking in a tiny little mirror and then a lot of oh shit um like the my life's really gonna change here i'm gonna have to do x y and z and, and you know um I, I guess kind of that back against the wall feeling of some changes i think i need to make in my life and uh you know if this little guy's the catalyst for that that's great and then by day three i was just I didn't want to let him go. It was just, you know, mom would be like, okay, I'll take him. And I'm like, nah, you know what? I'll hang on to him. That's cool. Um, and then by day four, it was like, cool. I'm just going to worry about this thing the rest of my life. Uh, every waking hour, I'm going to wonder whether he's breathing or if he's okay or what he's thinking about. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the the evolution for me. Did you go on a similar roller coaster with any of your four kids, John? 
Oh yeah, I think I probably did. The, the the other evolutionary thing that happens to your brain as a parent is you actually forget a lot about them being babies. Um, it's a little bit more so for women, but I think it happens to men as well. And that's obviously so your brain tricks itself into doing it again, right? So we continue to procreate. It, this actually does happen, particularly for women. They forget about quite the impact of the pain of childbirth and all that sort of thing. It's, it's an evolutionary thing, but <clears throat> it's interesting. You were saying, talking about, you know, what are, what are the things that people say, you know, that they tell you that they don't tell you about having children before you have one and that sort of thing and, and what you expect you might feel, et cetera. And I think like business, there's a lot of stories that people tell themselves, right? And what they think they're supposed to say. And so everybody says, uh, oh yeah, my baby came out and I was in love with it at first sight. I think that's because that's what they think they're supposed to say, like, right? And, and similarly, like, you know, there's, there's all these people talking about, oh, it's the most amazing experience. Honestly, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people actually genuinely feel that. Mm. Like if they're honest with themselves, I think they're just scared to say that out loud because they're worried people are going to think, oh my God, you're a bad parent. You're terrible. You didn't think your child was amazing at first sight. Like, like, come on, it's just a pink mess of goop at that point. Like really, it's not amazing. Right. Well, no, that's... when I, I think I, I, I got a lot more into my kids. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't see them as babies and think, oh, that's horrible. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But like, you know, I got much more into my kids when they started to actually behave a little bit like a person rather than just another, you know, baby sloth or whatever. You know, at that point, they're kind of any, they could be any creature, really. There's no, no personality. There's no nothing. You know what I mean? Well, before this call, we decided I should have everyone grab a box of Kleenex before I talk to them because I'm an asshole uh, and I say things a little bluntly. So I guess I'm that guy who just told you that, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. It's not, definitely not what anybody told me. I also got told, uh, don't look. Don't look over the curtain when she's getting the C-section. I'm here to tell you that was the fucking coolest thing I've ever fucking seen in my entire life, dude. <laughs> so cool. Uh I, if you get squeamish, maybe that's not for you. But I looked over and I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, and then the nurses were like, you sure you're going to look? I'm like, yeah. Uh, honestly, rather than sit by her head and hold her hand, I would have loved to watch the whole thing. I thought it was neat as hell. They were just pulling, yeah, yeah. pulling up body parts cool. and laying them on the table. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I spent, I spent my early 20s uh, cutting up animals um, at university, not, not in my basement. Uh, and, uh, so for me, my wife had one C-section out of, out of her, out of our four kids. Um, and I, I did check that out and it's, I think it's cool. It just reminds me that we're just look like any other animal on the inside. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, I, I think if, if, if parents are honest with you, they'll tell you it's, it's the shittest experience of your life, but it's also the most amazing, like being a parent. Like there's some things about, there's just things about that are fucking absolutely shit, being honest. And, but there are also moments of, you know, pure joy and all of that sort of thing that nothing else can give you that level of um, happiness, I think. Not business, at least nothing else I've done. And I've done a lot of stuff, a lot of business, a lot of drugs, all sorts of things that are supposed to make you feel really happy. <laughs> And it's a different thing. It's a different thing. It's its own kind of thing. It's like, it doesn't compare to anything else. I don't think so. Have and you I ever think that's why, the that's why you do it. Have you ever mixed the three, John? <laughs> Have you ever had a business dealing with kids and drugs in some way, shape or form? Well, geez, there's a, there's the thought. <laughs> Pure happiness. Uh, well, look, I am a, 
you know, first off, shout out to my wife. She doesn't listen to this, but shout out to Mrs. K. Uh, what a beast for doing all that work and the emotional, <laughs> hormonal shitstorm she's going through right now. I don't envy that at all. And yet she still realizes number one, like number one on my Maslow hierarchy needs is sleep. If I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm a fucking cunt all day. Um, to to use mm. your Australian language, I don't know if that's even appropriate over here anymore. Everything's PC in America. Anyway, no, I'm a cunt. It's not appropriate here either. You're terrible. Oh geez. Uh, all right. So I I'm an asshole. Whatever you want to use. I it's not good. And so she took the <laughs> night shift. I've been getting great nights of sleep every single night. And that's usually the first question. Ever, What's it like? Did, but you didn't know you could work on two hours of sleep. No, you're right. I've never done it, and I never will. Like I can't do that. And so you know, last night yeah. I told you last night sucked. I was up with him for a while. Just we just had a staring contest for two hours which was interesting but uh other than that's been great so shout out to her uh shout out to you man i i sat in a chipotle parking lot uh in our minivan eating eating my bowl of chipotle while i uh listened to john warren last week a great episode man thanks thanks yeah it's always always weird doing those things by yourself when you've gotten used to doing them with somebody else um it's kind of like you're, you're talking and then you're waiting for somebody else to talk but there's no one else there <laughs> I, I liked it. I, I passed it on to my team member. Um, I think L. Chris had a question here as well. Once again, perfect timing with the show. What's a good ballpark figure to pay a VA to create product page copy for each listing? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. And it's, you know, I mean, there, there is a wide range that you could pay. I mean, copywriters, like a, a genuine copywriter, um, can command a lot of money, right? Because they write in a particular style that generates money. And so, you know, there are people out there who are copywriters that earn, you know, big bucks, like six figures a project sort of thing. Um, but <clears throat> obviously that's not feasible when you're writing product copy for, you know, hundreds of products. So um, the, the way around that for me, at least, is to hire VAs that I guess have some of the skills and then actually train them in how I want them to do it, right? And that way, they don't come with a whole bunch of baggage about how much they're worth. And so you can obviously pay them a lot less. So, I mean, for, for my guys, I tend to pay them. It varies a little bit. If I was just starting somebody out, so I get people um, from the Philippines primarily to do this for me, um, which is where a lot of people are going. I'll start them at $4 US dollars per description. Uh, and that's for a 300 plus word description. And then I'll move them up over time as they, you know, develop their skill. Or if they come to me with a with more skill in the first place, you know, I'll go anywhere up to ten dollars per description, depending on that. But so when I get them, I mean, I'll put them through the exact, you know, copywriting training that I give to um, give to my clients and students. So I train them in how to do it before they actually even do it, sort of thing. I'd be interested to see what you're getting for four bucks an hour. You know me, like I, I, I oftentimes like paying for the best, um, and it it's not cheap. Uh, it might not even be the best for that matter. But I like, uh, you know, I like uh, spending a few bucks, and so I'd be interested to see what you could get for that four. I know that's kind of what I'm training one of my employees on currently is uh, the SEO, you know, mixing my SEO knowledge with uh, copywriting knowledge. I bought a copywriting course. It starts with a K. Um, mm -hmm. maybe I should mm -hmm. find an affiliate link for that. Um, <clears throat> great course, uh, fantastic course for only, uh, I think you pay quarterly or something like that, or 
uh, or, or yearly. I don't even remember, but uh, only only a few hundred bucks. Um, and my employee said that really helped him a lot. I know my friend Bill D'Alessandro, uh, that's part of his team training as well for all of Elements Brands uh, e-commerce businesses. And so I highly recommend that course if you want to check that out on copywriting. But um, do you send, what, what do you do for your training? Anything like just your own stuff? Yeah, yeah, my own stuff. I just give them like, I mean, I've got, uh, you know, 20 something video course inside dropship breakthrough and so i just give that to because uh, it's very focused on high ticket products and it's just about the product description whereas a lot of copywriting courses are about and i know the, the principles of copywriting are the same no matter what you're doing but like a lot of copywriting courses will be like oh here's how you write a long form sales page here's how you do this like who cares i don't need any of that stuff in an e-commerce business it's not relevant so mine's just about this is how you write a product description that's all they're ever going to write for me right? They're not going to be writing my ads or anything like that. So it doesn't matter. Um, and for, for high ticket products, once again, the product copy is going to be a little different to a tube of toothpaste product copy, right? The, you've got a much higher bars to jump over to sell somebody a $3,000 product than a tube of toothpaste, which they've used before. So your copy's got to be different. But for, for me, what, like what you get for that sort of money, I mean, it's a trade-off, right? It's, it's not the most amazing copy on the planet. But in the beginning, you, you've got two things. You've got to, two hurdles you've got to jump over here. You've got to have unique product descriptions and you can't take 12 months to do it. And you've got to, when you're writing those descriptions, you want them to have a decent amount of copy in them, like actual copy rather than just, you know, words on a page. So for me, at that price, you're getting it done and you're getting it done quickly. And it's at, a, it's at an okay level of quality. And remembering that the bar is you just have to be better than the people you're competing against. You don't need initially to have the most amazing copy on the planet because frankly, you can't afford to. The average high ticket dropshipper cannot pay a decent copywriter to write 500 product descriptions. And, and decent copywriters are so up their own ass that it would take them so long to write that many descriptions anyway right? It's just not going to happen. So what you do is you get somebody in at a cheap price to get it done so that you're also ticking the SEO box of having unique content. And then what you can do is down the track, you can come back to your best sellers, which you will start to identify and pay somebody else a greater amount of money to write really amazing copy for those. If you feel the need to, that's what I would do. Like, so maybe down the track, I would pay somebody, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks to write a product description for one of my best sellers, right? And it's going to be a much higher quality piece of copy. Um, but once again, if you've got 500 products on your site, you're only ever going to sell at best 50 of those regularly at best. And that's, that's stretching it even. So you don't want to spend tons of money writing copy really high quality copy for all the products that you're barely ever going to sell. So there's always with high ticket dropshipping, I think there's always that, that balancing act, that trade-off between getting what you need to get done, done, and then getting the highest quality. You don't need the highest quality immediately. You can work your way up to that. Yeah. I think it could be yet another hurdle where you can talk yourself out of movement, uh, thinking that you're not you don't have the perfect thing. So uh, it, I'm working through the same thing, John. I think where I'm struggling uh, personally is marrying keywords uh, and all the keyword research I've done into great mm. copy 
you kind of got to ninja stuff some words in there or supporting words uh, to get the page to rank the way I want it to rank. And so I think that's what we want to talk about today is keyword research. Uh, and so perhaps we can kind of mesh it in with some of the copywriting stuff too of how, how do we get this in here without just keyword stuffing? Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, definitely. I think this is what we want to talk about. I think I've worked with, a, as you know, a lot of people over the years and, you know, in, in recent years, I've talked a lot more about SEO with people, but even when it comes to paid traffic, the amount of business owners, if I ask the question, have you done keyword research for your business? Almost a hundred percent would say no. Right. Um, like, like as in, you know, do they, have they got like a record that's, you know, in, in some form of document or something of the keywords that are relevant to their business that they want to target, how they're going to target them, blah, blah, blah. And a plan for that. Almost nobody ever does this. And I was really surprised, but then I thought about it and I, I realized that nobody's telling them to do this. Nobody's telling people that this is what you need to do if you want to have an effective SEO strategy or, or even for your paid traffic, you know. I mean, you're going to run search text ads and things like that. You want to know what you're running them to. And you want to have some structure around that as well, I think. You know, so you, yeah, anyway, it surprised me. So I think it's a great topic to talk about because I don't think you can do SEO unless you've done keyword research, particularly. Yeah, the problem with this, uh, I teach this one-on-one -on -one with people in consulting but I've never like systemized it and got it out of my head. So this, I'm hoping this episode, you can maybe pull some shit out of me. I can pull some shit out of you. And we can like tr try to get this in some sort of order because no matter what, if we're talking about a, a blog post or a page or, or a collection page or a product page, I'm going to give you a ton of advice, but I don't know if I have a, a like, here's where we start kind of thing. Mm, and so I'm, I'm mm, genuinely okay. curious. What is the first thing that you do in keyword research? Because for me, uh, when I look at it, it's when you're a dropshipper, uh, you are a parasite, as we've talked about before. And so you kind of already know what keywords you should be targeting because there's the brand name, right? And you should maybe add some ancillary keywords. Then there's the product names. And you want to, you know, if, if you want to target the very, very bottom of the funnel, you can't get more bottom of the funnel than targeting the exact name of the product you're selling. But like, where do you go beyond that, John? Because I think that's that's the most obvious keyword research anyone can do is looking at the supplier and, and putting it up on their site. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess for, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I think we're probably going to get into some kind of uh, philosophical areas about this. But for me, um, part of keyword research for me not only lies around what are the actual terms like? What are the actual keywords that you're going to be targeting and, and getting that out? But it also comes down to the thought process around you've got a bunch of different pages on your site, right? What type of keywords are you going to target with what pages? Yeah. So if you think about, you know, keywords and, and, and we think about the sales funnel, right? Like, as you've been mentioning, you've got keywords that fit right at the bottom of the funnel. They're going to be like your product name type search terms. You've got ones that are a bit further up the funnel, which might be brand name search terms. Then you've got obviously higher up the funnel. You've got ones that might be specific to a product category. Then you've got ones even above that that are, you know, really broad and, and generic. Um, and so I think, a mistake that a lot of people make with a high ticket dropshipping business, and once again, remembering you're going to have a lot of products on your site, a lot of them are going to be the same type of product, is they kind of fall into the trap of thinking that let's say um, 
uh, let's say I'm selling infrared saunas to use a one we've been talking about a bit, right? A lot of people make the mistake of thinking they're going to rank their product pages, all of their infrared sauna pages for that sort of search term. And the reality is that's not going to happen. Like which pages, which product page is Google going to pick? It's not, it's not going to pick one and you're not going to get five pages on the first page of Google results, right? So it's not just about knowing what terms you're going to target. It's also mapping the pages on your site to those terms because most of the time for page one, you got one shot. So what's your best page for that search term? So anyway, uh, for me though, product research start, product keyword research starts with actually getting all of the like all of the keywords that are relevant to your business. And I pay somebody to do this for me. I don't do it. Into a spreadsheet, right? Pull them out into a spreadsheet with you know some of the metrics associated with them. You know, volume, search difficulty you know, all of that sort of stuff, which is basically just reports out of Ahrefs, but whatever, wherever they get it from. Um, and then I'll go through those terms and I'll start mapping them out to what parts of my site or what pages on my site am I, do I want to rank for those particular search terms? And I do that like in a spreadsheet, right? So then I've got a record of it. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I start um, because based off of that, I can then say, okay, then I've, I've got a picture of how my site structure is going to fit around the terms that I want to target and things like that. Um, but kind of mapping it out that way is where I start. So I pay a guy, uh, you can find it too. I was just looking it up while we were talking. His name's Spencer. If you go on Fiverr and, and search, <laughs> I will run in-depth keyword research. His name is Spencer. I pay a guy, this guy, but you, you kind of got to come in with some, uh, like a little bit of data, John. So like, um, I don't want to spend too much time on here because it's, uh, it's it, to me, it sounds super, super simple, but like infrared saunas, that's kind of like, here's, here's a place to get started. You kind of give, you have to give this guy a place yeah. to get started. Do you have somebody True. who, who yeah. can like, you can just name that uh, similar to Spencer uh, or maybe it is Spencer. I think we all found no, it, probably it, is the same. it is Spencer. That's great. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll put that link to the fiber page in the show notes. Yeah, we probably uh, should, <laughs> but, but you gotta like, you have to find the, the base level thing. So, uh, you know, maybe this is a good yeah, time to mention sorry. somebody gave us a website that we're, we're going to use uh, as an example here. Uh, they reached out and volunteered. So shout out to him. I don't know if he wants his name mentioned or not. Um, but it is a, uh, a website for fitness products. Uh, and so, let's you know let as we work through this well we're actually work through real world examples here so you can kind of see uh how we're doing this but like for him uh on his site he's got functional trainers uh single stack and multi-stack home gyms free weight levers jungle gyms gym flooring and mats uh power racks and cages squat racks and stands smith machines bench press racks you have to find like the high level keywords in order to say hey spencer here's 12 of the categories i'm gonna go after now go find me keywords, right? Is that how you start? Yeah, sorry, I, I, I missed that. But you, yeah, you do have to do that. I mean, uh, you, you want to give that sort of direction. I mean, you, you could say to somebody, here's my website, this, go and look at it and work out what I should be targeting. But you're, you're better off giving them the direction. So yeah, you, you go, you start with, I think for a high ticket dropshipping site, you're right. The, the place that you want to start with that is sort of, what are your top level product categories? And then, yeah, give those, say, yeah, in like, yeah, as you say, functional trainers or Smith machines or something like that. Because within each of those, there's going to be an absolute ton of different 
variations, search terms, more specific ones, and um, it's you, you're going to get a ton of data just just with one category like that. So yes, and that's that's the the example we're talking about here is a big site too in terms of number of categories and products and things like that. So for some sites, there's going to be a lot there. There's going to be a ton there, but for for other high ticket sites that are more focused, it, it might just be two or three categories, and you know you've got less keywords to deal with. I'm trying to find one in here that is has a decent amount of search volume because I think that'll be the easiest one for us to represent. Uh, you know, some products we sell in high ticket dropshipping, they're they're harder to find the keywords for, um, where some of them are just you know slam dunks and easy as far as the keyword research. So uh, hopefully we can find one at least somewhere in the middle or more on the other end uh, to talk about. But I so I do the same thing, right? I want I want to get a, a report, uh, whatever, 10, 20 bucks from Spencer sent over to get some ideas. Uh, but I do, uh, as I usually do, I wait, I do way too much manual effort as well. And so once I have these categories, i as I'm researching them manually is where I'm spotting a bunch of other keywords that I like to focus on. Uh, so where do you start, John? Like, are you doing research for the collection page? Are you doing research for a brand? Where, where do you want to start? Well, this is kind of where I, uh, yeah. So my approach, um, which may differ a bit from yours is I start with the realization that most of my product pages are going to rank well for one thing. That's whatever the fuck the product's called, right? So the SEO for that is not difficult and you don't really need to map that out because it's it's your product title, right? That means the title of it's your page title. It's already there. You, yes, you've got to work a bit to get that into other elements of the page and we'll talk about on-page SEO a bit, um, you know, either later in this episode or in the next one. But, um, you know, so that kind of simplifies it a bit for me. Like I think the, the biggest mistake people can make is finding those sort of higher volume search terms and thinking that they're going to rank a lot of product pages for those type of terms. You're just not going to, right? Because the problem you have with that is your page title is your product title and you can't change that, right? So that what's the first thing Google's going to look at? It's the page title. And if that's not going to match really well, or you've got a hundred pages with the same, with the high level search term in them, it's, it's just not going to happen for you. And you, you can't do enough from a content perspective on a product page to outdo that, I don't think, at least not in the beginning. Now, down the track, and, and depending on if you've got a particular set of products that are very small, and there, there might be some, some exceptions to that rule, I think. But if we're trying to say, like, what's going to work for most people, it's to accept the fact that your product pages are going to rank best for whatever the product's called, right? So that takes that bundle of, keywords kind of out of the picture from a planning perspective, because you've got that settled. The next step up group of pages you have is your collection pages. And so there you have an opportunity, obviously, to go after more sort of product category type terms that are probably a, a little bit higher volume than the, the product titles, obviously. And, um, you know, so I will look at my collections and, and remembering like you have collections for two purposes. They're or probably multiple purposes. They're there for the customers. They're there for SEO. They're there for paid traffic sometimes and all that sort of thing. And I'm going to say, well, what collections do I need to have? And looking at my keyword research, what's the most appropriate search term in there to map to a collection page? Um, and noting that the way you're thinking about that is, is once you map it to that page, that page is the focus for that search term, right? So 
for me, as well as collection pages, I'm also thinking about content pages. What content pages am I going to develop for um, the search terms as well? And so once again, I don't want to map a search term to a collection page and then later go and try and create a content page around that exact same search term. Because once again, you know, only one of those two things is going to rank on that first page. So there's no point targeting the same search term with two different pages on your site, right? For me, that's a wasted effort. Um, you know, so yeah, the next step up for me is collection pages and, you know, I'll, I'll be looking for what are the best terms to fit my collection pages. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I think, you? I think there's a few things in there, right? Number one, one keyword, one page, like you have to drill yeah. that into your head. One keyword, yeah. one page. You're not going to rank a different page uh, for the same keyword, and you're not going to rank one page for multiple keywords. You might. Google might show you for other things because they've determined you've created a fucking awesome page and you're relevant, but you're targeting one keyword. And so as you, like John said, as you pull in a brand, I've got you know PowerPlate up on this uh, on my screen right now. As you go in there and look at the PowerPlate Pro 7, that's probably what it's going to be called, the PowerPlate Pro 7. Um, and then you can kind of map out a little bit of keywords around there that might be like longer tails, PowerPlate Pro 7 vibration trainer, uh, you know, maybe have the skew on the end, things like that. Those are all going to be housed on one page, but you are your, your only goal is to rank for that main thing, PowerPlate Pro 7. Google's going to realize you're making the greatest product page ever around that product. You have a bunch of these little ancillary long tails that all kind of fit in there. Um, and you might rank for those long tails, mm. uh, but you're, you're really trying to rank for one keyword and you're trying to build relevance. So what I usually tell people I'm working with is when you find these longer tail keywords that are very much the same, you have to ask yourself, is this a completely new page or does this kind of like fall into a category of, of keywords, if you will. So like PowerPlate Pro 7, PowerPlate Pro 7 Vibration Trainer, PowerPlate Pro 7, 71-PR7-3150. Those are all basically the same keyword. You're not going to create a new page for each one of those. And so kind of categorizing those products are super, super easy, like you said. Um, when you get into the the more longer tail things for collection pages, for content pages, you're going to have to start asking yourself a question. Does this, does this deserve its own page or does it likely like pair with another keyword that has more volume or more intent. Uh, and then the last piece that like uh, I try to do as I'm working through some of these spreadsheets, John is uh, you might, you might say, and I'm not sure the word you use, but you might pair a keyword and say, all right, I'm going to name a collection, this keyword. And you might say, you know, on your, in your spreadsheet, that looks great. Go to Google and actually search that keyword, pull up an incognito mm -hmm. window and actually search that keyword. Uh, and then look through the top 10 results. You will see clearly what Google wants from that keyword. If, if you search a keyword and it comes up and it's seven best blank, best blank for 2021, and it's just a bunch of listicles like that, you're not going to be able to rank a collection page for that term very easily. You probably can, but not super easily. If you go to that page uh, and it's Wayfair's collection page uh, and Walmart's collection page and Amazon's collection page, all for this type of product, that's clear that you need to create a collection page for that product. So don't fight Google as you're, as you're determining where to allocate these keywords, give Google exactly what it wants. And I'll disagree with that slightly on one element of what you just said. I think if you pull up a search result and the top results are mostly content pages, like, as you said, listicles or something like that, um, which will tend to have a shit ton of backlinks pointing to them usually yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna outrank those with a collection page for the reason that 
you won't build page authority higher than a content page with the collection page because it's really hard to get backlinks to a collection page. Now you can do some internal linking and stuff to try and trick Google into thinking it's got more page authority, but you, you usually you won't outrank it for that reason. Um, collection pages though, if I get a search result with a lot of collection pages, I might have a go at that with a content page for the simple reason that there just might not be content out there. To, to serve that. And I know what I can do is I can build a shit ton of links to a, to a content page that those collection pages won't have. And so uh, I think, uh, and what I think, and I've seen this is that I can just blow Google's preference out of the water by saying, here's a page with 50 backlinks pointing to it versus collection pages with zero backlinks pointing to them. And Google's going to listen to that because, you know, that's one of their top three ranking signals is backlinks. Um, so that, that would be my, my exception to what you're saying there. Um, yes, I'm not disagreeing with you that I think Google probably does factor in um, their thoughts about what the customer needs based on the psychology behind their search term. But I still think that a lot of e-commerce sites don't do any content. And so there's no relevant, sometimes there's just no relevant content out there because like, a lot of bloggers don't want to produce the same sort of content that an e-commerce site might like. So I, I sometimes I think just because there's no content pages in the search results doesn't mean you should assume that there's no that there are relevant content pages out there, but they're just not ranking. Sometimes there just might not be well-developed content out there to serve that particular term. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. And I can give you an example, actually. Um, a generic the the generic term in a business i was working on uh we ranked the collection page for that term and we ranked a best that term 2019 or whatever year it was for that we were literally number one and number two for that keyword and it was it was number one there wasn't a lot of competition number two we went out and got the right links and number three like google was kind of confused uh, uh, there'll be times when you go to google and search these keywords and you'll see three collections three listicles uh, and three products. And you'll be like, what the fuck? I don't even know what Google wants here. And so, um, I think you can do different things. And then again, there, I think there's variations. Um, so you might, you're targeting one keyword, one page, but you can kind of have a variation that deserves its own page. And both of those might rank for the main keyword. Uh, again, if you get enough links, links are, links are the, they're everything. And, and hmm. you know, not, not the ones you go to Fiverr and they can get you 500 links for $5, not those links, but <laughs> yeah, really yeah. good links. They're literally everything, uh, you know, Google want, might want to tell you differently and their AI is getting better and, and all that's great. Links are really what truly, truly matters. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously I know the site you're talking about and you, you can't talk about it in detail. Obviously we know that, but if I think about that site, um, you know, I think this is where it gets a bit of gray area comes in when we talk about content pages and collection pages, because sometimes a collection page can turn into a kind of pseudo content page as well. Right. Um, so you, you can kind of cross that line with a collection page. And I know certainly collection pages that have been in businesses you've worked on often have a lot of content on them. Right. And a lot of links and things like that. Um, and this is something I talk to people about a lot and, and I'm going to go down a little tangent here because I want to ask you a question <laughs> that fits in with this. But almost everybody I talk to this about, I say, look, you, what you want to do, you want to rank your collection page for these search terms, put some content on it, right? And they're always like, oh no, but if I have all this content on the page, like, people won't be able to find the products, you know, that, that grid view, the grid view, like that won't that like mean my conversions will tank because people won't find the products. 
What do you say to that, Ben? I actually, I literally answered this question in uh, Kurt Elster's unofficial Shopify group today. Somebody was asking this question, and I gave two examples. And, and if I remember, um, which I'm not very good at doing, I will put uh, the links in uh, uh, on this show note as well. So I gave two examples. Number one, there's a guy named Caval on Twitter that I follow who, who does SEO. He ranked a collection page for men's joggers. So slash collection slash men's joggers. He simply coded in a read more after all of the joggers at the bottom. And inside that read more is the most keyword stuffed bullshit article I've ever seen. So I, I'm not giving props <laughs> to this kid. Uh, but I thought it was cool yeah. how he added content and kind of hit it, tucked it away. Um, and the reason he did so is if you're coming to look for men's joggers, maybe this landing page style we're talking about isn't going to work. Maybe people do want to see a gallery of different joggers and they can kind of you know use their eyes to say, I like this version or not this version and go to a page that way. So maybe that works great for men's joggers. As a counterpoint, I gave an example of something Brian Angel and I did at, uh, on our standing desk site where we built out a landing page for a brand uh, who had standing desks. They also had standing desk converters and they had desk spikes. And we built out this landing page to feature the brand and then give you, here's three jump links that you know were big, nice images that said, click here if you want to check out the standing desk, click here if you want to check out standing desk converters, or click here if you want to see desk spikes that jumped to a new section of the page that was all about those things where we kind of went in depth, gave our recommendations on what we think their three best converters were from that brand or, or three best desk or whatever. Um, and we really built this landing page experience. And we did that because anybody who's searching that brand name, they're not necessarily at the bottom of the funnel. They're aware of this brand. They're aware that they should be looking at this brand for some reason, but they, we don't know whether they're there to look at desk spikes. We don't know whether they're there to look at uh, sta full standing desks or standing desk converters. And we built a page to, to you know, back up, that we believe in this brand. We, we also see great things. Um, here's some reviews of why we think this brand is great. Here's the different sections, you know, click here to choose which one you're going to. They can go right to that section. We can lead them to their next step in their journey by building out these landing pages. And so I do this for brands. I do this for generic, uh, collection pages as well. I do this for every collection I have. Uh, and I don't, I can't picture a scenario in the high ticket world where I wouldn't do this. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And I think you hit on, on the key thing there that's wrong with the concept of, but won't people have an issue because they won't find the products? Like people are on your collection pages, right? Guys listening, people are on your collection pages because they haven't decided what they want yet, right? If somebody knows the exact product that they want, they're not, not spending a lot of time on your collection pages because they're going straight to the product page. They're going to use your search bar, you're going to find the thing they want. That's what they're going to be. And they're going to decide to buy it or not. But people who are spending a lot of time going through your collections are people who are not at the bottom of the funnel. So they're, they're still open to information, to recommendations, to you helping them to find what they actually need and to answer their questions, etc. And so your collection page is a perfect place to provide them useful content. And that's, that's the kicker. If the content you put on there is actually genuinely helping them with their customer journey through their customer journey, then no, they're not going to care if they see that before they see some products, right? Because you're helping them. Um, and so that's, that's always the prism to look at it through. Also, how are, 
how are they getting there, John? Right? Like, are they on your website? Like, they just randomly got to your homepage because yeah. I bet you get a ton of homepage traffic. Uh, and then they went through your menu and was like, "Yeah, let me check out this brand I've never heard of." No, of course they're going to come yeah. there because they know the brand, but they're not going to come there at all if you don't build out a page that actually ranks in Google. You'll have zero traffic, and so it won't matter if you have a gallery there. Uh, if you want to rank this page and you want to take the customer on the journey, I highly recommend building it out. John, I'm going to share this screen. I just want—I have to show you this. I know this makes great audio. I will put the link in the show notes. I promise. Uh, this is the page he ranked on, and I know we're going to get into on-page SEO, but it's not that great, and this shows you like the powers, mm. power of links. Uh, this is the keyword he's targeting, John, men's gym joggers. It's not in the URL. Yeah. There's nothing else here except this tiny little read more button, and if you read this text that popped out of here – uh, it is just it's just keyword stuff garbage. Uh, but he you know he went and got uh, a bunch of it looks horrible. Yeah. yeah, he went and got a bunch of niche edit uh, backlinks to this. Um, and really, that's all you need is is the right links. Like I said, so I'll put well, that I'll put that link the, in the show yeah. notes too. That's the other thing to to remember as well. That sort of uh, little drop down, read more, accordion, whatever you want to call it. That sort of thing doesn't affect the SEO impact of the content, right? So you can have a bunch of content. You could, you can do that. You can have a bunch of, if you're worried about taking up too much space with content, you can actually put it in little clickable elements that will open up or expand. So somebody can consume the content that will not damage the SEO impact, right? Just because the customer doesn't see it on the front end, Google still sees that content on the page when they, when they crawl it. Right. Um, so if you're worried about taking up space, you can absolutely do that. Um, or as Ben said, you can use jump links. You can put things further down on the bottom of the page and jump link people to it. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of ways around this. Um, but I, I just think people use that as an excuse. Their, their preconceptions about what customers want based on nothing other than their own opinion to not do any decent SEO on their collection pages. And it's a huge missed opportunity. Um, so you just got to go out and do it. Well, we kind of went off on a tangent here. I, 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 I think <laughs> this SEO thing is going to be a long series. So, so you know, put on your seatbelts. We're going to go for a ride. Uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of tangents, and that's okay. Uh, so, so let's take it all back. Uh, you're, you're allocating keywords to collection pages. Uh, again, w products were easy. I think brand collection pages are also equally pretty easy. Uh, so I'll just use something from this, uh, this website we've been talking about so far, this fitness website. If I go to his brands, I see body solid first degree fitness. Likely that is the name of your collection page. Now, if there's a, like a descriptor after the end of it, that's what I like to call my collection pages. Um, personally. So I'm going to click on one uh, Jacob's Ladder, which is the most hilarious name for any product I've ever heard of. Like, why would you name your brand Jacob's Ladder? If anybody doesn't know what Jacob's Ladder is, uh, sorry, go to Google. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, it is a piercing for a men's phallus. It is, uh, it's interesting. But I wouldn't name my product Jacob's Ladder. Uh, you can imagine what a Jacob's Ladder looks like on your phallus. Uh, all right. Uh, but, like, Jacob's Ladder, what do they, what do they make? They make... They make stair steppers, right? And so I rather than call this just Jacob's Ladder, I might call this uh, Jacob's Ladder stair step equipment or like I'm going to go to Google. I'm going to type in Jacob's Ladder and Google's going to tell me what is the long tail version of this that I might want to name it rather than just Jacob's Ladder. Um, 
Are you doing anything further than that? When the, when the guy delivers things to you, we'll use Jacob's Ladder as an example. He might be on Google right now. He's making funny faces looking at his screen. He might be looking what a Jacob's Ladder is. Uh, when you go, like, how are you allocating things for a collection page? I think product pages were simple. I do think brands are pretty simple. But where, where are you starting with a, with a brand collection page for keyword research? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so brand, 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 branded search terms are, are definitely ones that are only going to be a collection page for me. I'm, I'm, or, or like, or like, as you say, kind of like a pseudo content collection page where you've got a lot more content on the page. Um, I'm not going to do like a blog post to try and target branded terms, right? Because it, it's kind of a mid funnel type search term for me. Um, and so it's, 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 it's more a place where you need to get people right to, um, right to, to the products fairly soon. Um, uh, but you know, it's funny. I went to Google to search Jacob's ladder to get the keyword here for this collection page. It's a lot of stuff, but not dealing with stair step machines. Uh, like I said, uh, so yeah. check, uh, Jacob's ladder exercise machine. I'm seeing uh, again, keywords everywhere. Uh, Chrome extension is your friend here. Uh, yeah. Jacob's ladder exercise machine, Jacob's ladder stair step machine. Uh, there's going to be Jacob's ladder machine. There's going to be a, a little bit of a longer tail here that you're, you might want to hit on just so Google knows, Hey, I'm looking for Jacob's ladder exercise machine versus Jacob's ladder. You know what it looks like on a, on a, on a penis. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. And, and that's the, that's the good point for those. Like some brand names are more generic in nature than others. Some are very unique. Like they're, they're a term that only that company has ever used. They might've even created it just for their name. And so it can't be confused with anything else. So if that's the case, then yeah, I'm going to just go straight for the brand name as the primary term. But if it's like this example we're using, where it might be confused with something that cannot be unseen once you've seen it, um, then yeah, I'm going to look for, can I add one or two, once again, high level category type words onto the end of the brand name so that I don't confuse Google. So yeah, I mean, and, and to determine that I'm going to go to my keyword research or I'm going to go and do some keyword research. I'm going to chuck Jacob's ladder into Google or I'm going to chuck it into Uber suggest or Ahrefs or whatever, and just pull out, you know, based on that sort of, you know, um, that that brand name, like what uh, what terms, what's the next term down from that that has the highest volume but includes, yeah, a longer bit on the end. So as you say, it might be exercise equipment, it might be what, whatever, um, and I'm going to put that after, and that's going to be my focus keyword there. And if I've seen any other variations on that. You know, and I'm putting a bit of content on that page, then I'll include those as well, um, just so that that page may also pick those up. Yeah, and again, point. you're you're probably going to rank for a few things here. So my example before was a, a brand on the standing desk site who had standing desks, standing desk converters, and standing uh, desk desk bikes. Um, so you, a, a lot of times I've seen and people I work with, they're going to go make three different collections there: brand name, this brand name you know, standing desk, brand name, standing desk converters, brand name, desk bikes. They're going to go actually make three collection pages where I personally would make that one collection page because your goal here is to rank for the brand name. Uh, Brian, I uh, hope you don't mind, buddy. Uh, FlexiSpot is the brand we're talking about here. So FlexiSpot is the name of the thing, but they, you know, FlexiSpot standing desk is the, is the term most people are searching, whether they're looking for any of those three items. But again, 
all all of those kind of fit onto one page. No matter which one you sh- search, Google's kind of showing you the same ten results. So I'm going to put that all on one page. Uh, and so you know, Jacob's ladder is a little harder one to to look up here. Uh, but if you had a company that only sold rowers. Um, First Degree Fitness looks like they sell a ton of rowers, but other things. If they only sold roller, rowers, I would name the collection page First Degree mm. Rowers. Now that they sell other things, I'm going to name it First Degree Fitness, and then I'm going to have a section for the First Degree Fitness Rowers. I'm going to have a section for the First Degree Fitness uh, Predator Ubi or whatever those are called. Like I'm going to use, again, the the generic words, um, rower, uh, I'm trying to think of what are these other things are called, like hand cycles. You know, you know what hand cycles are called, John? I only ever remember seeing like 90-year-old people, and they're, they're looking like their hands are on a bicycle. I don't know what those are called. But like whatever those are called, those are going to be different sections for me because all of those things are going to fit on one page. No matter what you search, you're going to find the same things. And so I'm going to use those as sections. This is what I meant by landing pages is you'll have first-degree fitness. Uh, then you'll you know have a little bit about the brand. You'll have your main image that hopefully gets people to – you know. Uh, move on to the next piece uh, of the page. Uh, and then you're going to have perhaps a long tail in your H2 or that, that uh, first degree fitness goes along with. And then you're going to use your H3s to have first degree fitness rowers uh, and your examples there, first degree fitness hand bikes or whatever they're called. And your examples there of like, here's the best three we recommend and why. Um, but it's all going to fit onto one page. Uh, I hope we're like the way we congregate words there. I hope we're explaining that well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's there's always a balancing act, right, as well. I mean, you you can be tempted when you're thinking about this to say, well, I should have 57,000 collection pages to target all these little variations and stuff. And that, that's the wrong way to go because there's always a balancing act where you want enough pages, but you don't want too many because the more pages you add to, to your site, the more of a burden those potentially have on your SEO, the more work you're creating for yourself to put unique content on all of those pages. So... Um, when we say you know, it's one keyword for one page, always keep in mind that you, you want to be, yes, you want to have one focus keyword, but remembering that, you know, if there's close variants, they can fit in with that page as well. Don't go creating thousands and thousands of pages just for SEO, because that's not a strategy that's going to work for you. Yeah. Less is more. And, and again, getting the ones that make sense together, um, I, I should have come prepared with an example of that because it, uh, it sounds a little confusing, but it's definitely not like, um, lifespan fitness TR four 4,000 is a folding, is a folding treadmill. Um, you might have a different variation of that. Just like, uh, trying to think through this, like lifespan folding treadmill. And then the, and then the product, like different, just the way the words are worded are going to be different, but you wouldn't create a whole nother page for lifespan TR 4,000 folding treadmill, and lifespan fitness TR 4000 folding treadmill and TR 4000 folding treadmill from lifespan. Like all of those are very similar uh, and you're not going to create a page for each one. So when you go through the keywords, Spencer's going to send you hundreds of them. Try to mm. try to, you know, go to Google mm. and actually search them and like try to get them into little clusters of the, they all belong on one page. They, these are all basically the same keyword. Uh, and then those are probably going to be LSIs of that keyword anyway, uh, which mm. that would be my next step, John is, is looking at the LSIs, but maybe Maybe you can slow me down a bit. No, no, I think you're going in the right direction. And I think that's absolutely right. Like Google is good with close variations on terms. I mean, you see this with paid traffic, but their algorithms will know, like if you have a focused keyword that um, any very close variance of that, that page is still relevant for, like as in that page can still rank for those, particularly if you've included them 
in the copy, like some of those variations. And once again, grouping them together in your keyword research will help you do that because if you've got a document, and this is why I like to put all of my keyword research into like a spreadsheet and actually map these things out, right? Because you're not actually going to do all the writing for your site, right? You've got to give it to somebody else to do the writing. And so if you've actually mapped a lot of this stuff out in some format, whatever it might be, and you don't have to use a spreadsheet. I do that because I like spreadsheets. But um, when it comes time to saying to somebody, all right, I'm going to pay you to write my collection page copy, uh, content or copy, or I'm going to pay you to write blog posts for me or product descriptions, you can say, and for this blog post, here is the group of, here's the focus keyword, and here are the close variants on that keyword that I want you to include in that content, right? And, and so if you've done this mapping exercise, it, it's very easy to then just give those chunks of keywords to people and say, here, include this here, for that one, include that one, blah, blah, blah. It's really simple. You've got it all. You can give somebody access to the document, for example, and um, you know, it's, it, it just makes your life super simple when it comes to actually outsourcing the work that you are going to outsource anyway. Um, and uh, so, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, that's, that's sort of the next step. Uh, LSI, let's talk about that. Yeah. So I like to map out the whole page, right? So w when I'm creating a product uh, in my upload process, I have a spreadsheet. Here's the H1, here's the H2, here's the, here's the supporting keywords we need to make sure are associated here. So I'm just going to pick a, a random product off of, uh, this dude's site, and and we'll go look at what those supporting keywords are, right? So lifespan, fitness, TR, 4000i, uh, if I search that in Google with keywords everywhere, uh, look, very bottom of the page, these are LSIs right here. Lifespan, TR, 4000i, treadmill price, treadmill manual, uh, lifespan, TR, 4000i price, lifespan, TR, 4000i Australia, 2015, Canada, used, folding treadmill UK, uh, and then keywords everywhere pulled a few more of uh, for sale. And I'm not, I'm not sure what 2015 is associated with this. I'm not super familiar with this brand. Uh, but like, if you just look at some of those keywords, do you think you can get a few of those onto your page to again, provide relevance? You're probably going to have the price on there. Could you mention the word price? Uh, you better have the manual on there. Again, in my process, we actually, we use that as a, as a headline, uh, an H3 lifespan TR 4,000 I treadmill manual. Uh, we will, uh, have a picture of a PDF that is individually uploaded for every single product page, renamed Lifespan TR4000i Treadmill Manual, alt tag Lifespan TR4000i Treadmill Manual, a little over the top, but this is like the technical on-page shit that, that I like to get to. Um, used, uh, I don't know if you're gonna be able to get that keyword in there. I'm not sure what 2015 is. And then again, if you're not in Australia, Canada or, or UK, uh, those aren't worth mentioning, but that's as, that's as simple as it is. Again, if we go up a level, if I search Lifespan Fitness, because I'm working on the collection page and I go look at all of these keywords, the first thing I see is uh, Lifespan Fitness Review. Uh, so this is where I want you to ask yourself, does Lifespan Fitness Review belong on that collection page or should you go make its own page, which this is why I advocate for stamp.io, you can go make a Lifespan Fitness Reviews page and congregate all of your reviews right 500 words at the top of it, it's going to rank for that keyword. And then you can point all of that authority back to uh, the collection page. So yes, that one should have its own page. Lifespan fitness bikes. Uh, I bet you could have a bike section because they have lifespan fitness bikes. Then there's like, there's actual products in here, TR1200B, TR1200I. Those are the ones that you're going to feature on this collection page in your little sections because Google's telling you this is what people are searching. Um, uh, there's, there's quite a few others on here, but th this is the, this is the concept. 
add keywords everywhere to uh, whatever window you're in, hopefully an incognito window, uh, and go look this up. And Google's literally just going to hand you the playbook of the words that you should include on this page. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's how I break down products. Yeah. Here's the keys, the words that need to be in there. Collection, here's the words that need to be in there. Likely the ones that are higher up on the related keywords are going to be the ones that are going to be section names. Whether So Lifespan Fitness, I believe they have treadmills, they have uh, bikes. I can't, I can't think of what else they have, but like those are going to be the sections and those are keywords that are right on this list. Uh, and then I'm going to have uh, the products that are inside there, the TR-1200, TR-800, DT3. All of these are listed here in Google uh, as related keywords. Those are the products I'm going to feature inside of those sections when I recommend products on someone's journey. Uh, they're likely going to be your best sellers because they're the most searched uh, anyway. And so uh, this is this is where I start. And I'm already stumbling into some other keywords. And I'm, and I'm curious, maybe we should uh, wrap it for this episode. And like, here's you know wh- where we would go next. Yep. Nice. I'm going to need a, uh, an oxygen tank for the next episode, I think. <laughs> I could talk forever on this. There's just so much, there's so much gold. Google is just handing you gold. So hopefully we're giving you guys the playbook of how to find this gold, uh, let alone, you know, go pay Spencer. He can find a bunch of it for you. Uh, and then you just have to kind of map it out of like, does this, is this a page on its own or does it belong in a little cluster of keywords that are all for the same page? Uh, if it needs a page of its own, is it a collection page? Is it a product page? Is it a blog post or a slash pages? Whatever you're going to use, um, and and then start allocating those out. Uh, and then you know maybe on the next episode we can talk a little bit more about how I'm discovering more keywords and what a cluster what cluster content is to help these pages rank even better. Yeah, absolutely. We should talk about that. That's good stuff. Um, and yeah, look, I think that's the most important thing uh, takeaway from this episode is like. If you don't do this, go through the process that we've talked about here, your SEO is just not going to be effective because you're not going to be focused. You're just going to be like having this scattergun approach where you think you're building a page to rank for a search term, but then you forget that you also built another page to rank for that search term. And like, you're just going to be all over the place. There's not going to be any focus. Um, There's not going to be any, any sort of coherency in what's happening on your website. And you just, your efforts... I'm not saying you you could you could you can't get you won't get any returns, but your efforts are just like they're going to be uh, so less so much less effective uh, when it comes to actually ranking a bunch of pages on your site if you um, you know don't go through this. It's all worth it in the end. Like these are this is the core. You you got to get your products right, and we'll get into on-page SEO. You got to get your products right and your collections right. And if you ever want to like start moving into more ancillary things that are all going to support these main pages anyway, uh, you know, just from my own history, core collection pages, whether they're for a generic term or whether they're for brands, they were, they've been some of the biggest money makers in every store I've ever been a part of, because uh, you're catching people. At the top of the funnel, you're catching people at the middle of the funnel. You're catching some people at the bottom of the funnel if you can get your product pages up there, which is a, a far more difficult task. Um, mm. But these are your core pages, and, and you know next week we'll move into cluster content. And here's all a million other keywords you can target, hopefully give you some resources on you don't actually need to do all this stuff yourself. Uh, John can maybe point you somewhere. I know there's a company I work with in Australia that I think does a decent enough job, excuse me, writing the content. Uh, and so, yeah. I'm I'm excited to continue down this rabbit hole. If you guys are bored of SEO, uh, say something. We can go on to some other topics that are <laughs> more sexy. Uh, but this is this is where I've made 
uh, all the money I've made in drop shipping is, you know, run great ads that'll get you started and then really lean hard into your SEO and it, it'll, it'll grow your business. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I'd probably say if, if somebody's seen anything they're bored about hearing about SEO, then, you know, get the fuck out of town. Like, <laughs> honestly, I mean, no, if you're serious about growing revenue for your business, like you can't be bored by SEO, frankly, like you've got to get your head around this and you've got to do it. Like, yeah, you can make a bunch of money with ads, but you're, you're in a, you're in a precarious position there. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. Guys, listen to me. I don't know anybody who's been high level profitable with a high ticket dropshipping business solely on ads for like five years. If you want to build a long lasting business and particularly one that somebody's going to want to buy at a high value, it can't just be ads. Sooner or later, somebody will come and cut your lunch up, right? You know, if somebody like me gets in and wants to go at you with ads and they've got a, a much bigger budget than you, you're going to get smashed sooner or later. You literally are. Or somebody that's got better margins than you is going to smash you out of that ballpark sooner or later. It's going to happen, right? It's a matter of time. Was that a, a matter of time reference? I don't know. Is it? Out of the ballpark. You, spent, you hit a home uh, run. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't even know what baseball is. Is that a sport? <laughs> um, it's like a cooler version. And, of uh, yeah, it's probably, nah, yeah, come on, man. Let, let's not go down there. It's, it's like it's like a Bogan's version of cricket. Um, <laughs> a what? Uh, <laughs> there's, there? there, there's an Australianism for you. The Aussies will get that one. Um, uh, you know, so you've got, to, you've got to get your mind around this. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's denser. It's more technical. It's, it's probably doesn't often sound as sexy, but you've really got to at least get your head around this so you, even if you get somebody in to help you do it in your business, like whatever, that's cool. But you've got to understand like the strategies. You've got to understand that the, the, the concepts here because you can't get somebody else to help you do it if you don't understand it a little bit yourself. Yeah, uh, I, I'll tell you that from firsthand that there's you know places you're going to go seek out. There's, there's not a lot of good choices out there and I'm being dead honest. There's a lot of fucking terrible, terrible SEO people in this world. Um, I still work with one. I just, I pick the keywords and they do the writing. Uh, when they pick the keywords, they were picking keywords that were like even more generic than I wanted to be. And they were, you know, uh, 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 so I, I wanted to rank for glucosamine for dogs. They wanted to rank a page for glucosamine. And I was like, go to Google and search glucosamine. It's all about, you know, 55 year old people with bad knees. It has nothing to do with dogs. And they were like, yeah, but we'll rank it for this and you'll get tons of traffic. And I was like, that's great. Uh, I don't want that traffic. And so there's a lot of those people out there. There's a lot of people out there who will get you bad links. Uh, and so, you know, learn as much as you can here so that you're doing the right things and, and you don't have to do all the work. Just understand it before you outsource it. That would be my suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly what I tell people. I mean, you, you can't do all the work almost. I mean, if you're getting into things like you, you've got to develop content to go on pages and things like that, you've got, you know, I mean, you, you probably aren't going to just, even if you want to do it, just have the time to do it. So you can absolutely get people in to help you with that building backlinks. You can hire somebody to build backlinks, right? There are good people out there that can help you with that. Once again, they're not the get you 500 links for 20 bucks on Fiverr, but there are good people out there and who can help you with that. Um, but you've got to understand what they're actually doing to know if you should be paying them money to do it. If you, if you don't, if you just go and chuck money at somebody to do something, so you don't even have to think about it. Then once again, same as paying for an agency to run your ads, you're, you're going to get into trouble there sooner or later. You're going to wait, you're going to spend money. You're not going to get a return or you're not going to get the, the return that's actually has been mentioned. 
relevant for your business in the glucosamine example. So definitely. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a nerd for this stuff, so I love it. Tomorrow I'm uh, I'm interviewing Nick Eubanks from from the future uh, for my podcast. That dude's cool. a, uh, an SEO legend, uh, somebody I met in a mastermind. He he does some cool stuff so you might hear some if you want to get really nerdy go listen to that episode it'll come out next week uh you know he does stuff of like you know buying expired domains and re rebuilding them and getting them to rank again and then forwarding them you know to your website and like there's all kinds of tips and tricks and hacks out there but the stuff john and i are talking about if you don't get this right most of that stuff doesn't even matter you have to get like your core stuff done correctly um and it was part of a presentation i did uh, about an old website like that's all we did we didn't go get too many links so, like we we focused really on what we could we could control and in that presentation i said it's how good looking you are and how good looking your friends are uh you can't control how good looking your friends are and that's just links uh you can control how good looking you are and getting this core stuff done right so hopefully uh hopefully you guys are loving this uh, i can't wait to geek out some more next week i'm glad to be back too man yeah yeah it's good to have you back uh this is a lot easier when there's <laughs> two people in the room I'd... Tell you that I, I don't I don't mind talking, but yeah, talking for an hour nonstop, so not as much fun. <laughs> well, uh, I'm happy to be back, John. You got anything to plug? I know you're running a little sale right now. Oh yeah, look, we got a got a got a once a year sort of special offer I do on Dropship Breakthrough going at the moment. So guys, if if you if you love listening to this sort of stuff and you want to learn more about how to actually do SEO and you want step-by-step -step stuff. I mean, we, we're talking through a lot of concepts and all of that. I cover a lot of this stuff in Dropship Breakthrough step-by-step. -step. We have monthly, uh, multiple calls a month where we're talking about SEO and traffic in our group coaching program. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to actually learn more about this in a hands-on way, then if you've got a special offer, just head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com. You can learn more there um, or just send me a message and, and you know, send me a direct message if you want to hear more about it on Facebook uh happy to fill you in and uh you know you uh you're gonna even see benny benny boy in dropship breakthrough soon i think we, he's got some content coming out in there soon and uh we might have some other announcements uh soon around around ben and dropship breakthrough who knows now, after you run the whole sale right you gotta catch get you get all the people in <laughs> hey, let's bring ben on board now uh yeah no man uh, uh i think we'll have some stuff to talk about soon um Go buy a shit. Tell your friends. Tell your dropship friends to get on here and listen. Uh, we are literally giving away the house here. So hopefully, uh, if you want to hear anything that we missed, let us know. Um, again, Facebook group, pound it. Let's uh, let's let's figure out how we can answer more questions here and give more value. And uh, thankfully, you're all here, man. Yep, absolutely. Bye. See ya. Hey, it's John here. I just want to take a really quick break from the episode to let you know about something exciting that we've got happening over at Dropship Breakthrough. Now, one of the first questions that anyone looking to get into high ticket dropshipping asks is, what am I going to sell? What's my products going to be? What are the profitable products going to be that I'm going to build a business around? And it's one of the things that people worry about the most, that they're going to get that wrong. And that's fair enough. Picking the wrong products to sell is one of the biggest mistakes that people looking to start a dropshipping business make. So what if I said we could fix that for you and solve that problem, answer that question for you in the next five days? Well, the answer is we absolutely can do that. So I want to introduce you to you the Dropship Breakthrough 5-Day Challenge. And the 5-Day Challenge is basically like a mini workshop that over the course of five days is going to show you and help you find 
the profitable products that you can build a high ticket drop shipping business around. So each day for five days, you're going to get a lesson or two to go through. And each of those videos together is going to show you the process that we've used and Ben and I have used, not just Ben and I, but over 400 of our students have used to find profitable high ticket products that are viable for the drop shipping business model. So you're going to get a lesson every day, you know, watch that lesson. And at the end of the five days, you'll know what you're going to sell. And I'm going to throw a few interesting bonuses in there as well. Now, the best part of this is you can join the challenge today for just $97. So single investment of $97, and you're going to then know what you can build a business around with a super high level of confidence so that you can start your business and not have to worry about that maybe you've picked the wrong products and you're going to have to go back to scratch at some point. So all you need to do to join the Dropship Breakthrough 5-Day Challenge is head to Dropship Breakthrough, that's spelled B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U.com forward slash five, the number five. You'll find the link below in the show notes. All you have to do is head there, sign up on that page, and you will be immediately and instantly into the five-day challenge. You can get started straight away. So head over there, join the challenge. And once again, it's backed as always by our 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you take the challenge and you think it was rubbish, you don't, you, you couldn't identify any products or anything like that, you can request your money back and we'll hit you straight back up with that. So head on over. If you're looking to get started, if you've been sitting on the fence, if you've been worrying about finding the right products, head over, take the five-day challenge today at dropshipbreakthrough.com forward slash five.